hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, uh, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Uh, my name is Jack. <laughs> Hello. Hello. And who are you? Uh, well, me, Joe Ford. Hello. Hello. Do other, <laughs> do other people do the intro? Yeah, I made everyone do it. I made Toby Haydock do it. I made Gary Russell do it. Every fucker on this <laughs> thing has managed to say Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. Oh, okay. Here is me thinking. Oh, look, we're breaking tradition. We're breaking convention. Nah. We're making some of the... But it's probably but just. It is nice to hear you say it, though. I yeah, I know, I know. Uh, maybe it's just because on um, uh, I'm just used to <laughs> on Nymon being the one to say, it, and then I'm used to hearing you say, "Welcome back to a hamster with a blunt pen." I'm sorry. Well, look, because it's been a, it's been a little while since we've done a Nymon. Can you just do a Nymon intro as well, please? <laughs> oh, sure, sure. For the. Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Uh, oh, 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 how do how's it go again? Uh, hello and welcome to the Nine Be Praised. I'm Jack and I'm Joe. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like it's like a, a crossover episode, but it's still just us. It's it's our two podcasts fornicating. My God, oh, here we I go. I know, I know. It's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. You love yes. to see it happen. Well, I mean, uh, the thing is, is that both on Hamster and on Nymon, there is usually 10 minutes of waffle at the beginning, our speciality. Uh-huh. Indeed, indeed, indeed. What so, good waffle it is. Oh, I mean, I've got to say to you, so it's been like about 500 episodes now since you last appeared on Hamster Blunt Pen Knife. <laughs> and, I, and that's not because, that isn't because I haven't wanted you on Hamster Blunt It's One is because you've been extremely busy you know that's right doing actually things as well as work related things and social things right. but also we have had our own podcast as well which is pro- which is where you and i have been together indeed indeed it's uh i it's genuinely one of the sad things that i didn't get to do as much of this year uh because i just got so busy uh doing you know working full-time and doing local theater in the after in the evenings that i just didn't have time to watch watch doctor who anymore Uh, so yeah no it's great to be back can i ask you to do something then because it's probably been about six seven months since we've released a nine month episode and i don't know how many people that listen to hamster that listen to nine month. so would you please do some marketing and tell everybody listening to this about the nine month be praised podcast that you're on and what it's all about <laughs> well you can jump in at any time if i hey, start pitching it badly uh the nine month be praised is a doctor who podcast by joe ford and jack shanahan who have been at We've been at it together since the very beginning. <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, if and if you want more, more uh, kind of ambiguous kind of waffling <laughs> like that, you just need to hop over to another <laughs> podcast because it goes on for much longer than this. But like, uh, unlike Hamster, it's not uh, commentaries. We we have long <laughs> conversations. <laughs> Very, 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 very long, very unedited conversations about basically whatever Doctor Who episode we want, uh, we want to talk about. And uh, you know, I think one of our recurring in jokes is that uh, we'll go, yeah, we're going to talk about this next week, and we don't, we don't actually follow up on that. We just choose something else. We we were talking about doing the long game for about <laughs> a season and a half, 
And there was someone who commented, wasn't there, saying, when are you guys going to do the long game? Who we happened That's to right. name Roger, but we didn't know his uh-huh. name was Roger. And then eventually we did talk about the long game, but we decided to, to, to just do a five-minute, se- five, a five-second segment at the beginning of an episode. Oh, that's right. I do you remember? About that. Oh, I do dear. now. I do now, because as you were describing that, I was like, we definitely didn't talk about the long game. Uh, but uh, do you know what? Yeah, we covered some fun subjects, didn't we? We did... Um, the trial of Stephen Moffat, which went to five and a half hours long. Oh God! <laughs> um, uh, apparently, the um, the nine would be praised is very big. And was it Ohio? Ohio, Ohio? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. randomly. Oh, yeah. people of Ohio, thank you for listening to the nine would be praised. Yeah, do you remember when we remade Dimensions in Time? How could I forget? That was one of the best <laughs> things that ever happened in my entire life. Your Sylvester McCoy still sounds like a dirty old man, you know. <laughs> and which you never fail to remind me about. <laughs> it seems like I, me, are very difficult to get rid of. <laughs> oh no, we've had a lot of fun. And just to say, we're not going anywhere. We are sort of on we're on our 1985 hiatus at the moment, whilst we're busy with other things. But we are mm. definitely planning on getting back to it. Indeed, indeed. My, I think our schedules are going to be slightly Lighter. friendlier. Yeah, indeed, next year. indeed. Yes. I, I thought when you said oh, we're not going anywhere, I thought you were referring to this commentary track. Yeah, we're not going anywhere. No, 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 no. You are. You are listening to us for the next hour. All right. <laughs> um, I, but Jack- I feel like it. Mm? Mm-hmm. Oh, we both stopped. How polite. How English. Oh, no, I. The, we, oh, I forgot this bit of the uh, recording things with you um the constant interrupting and being polite um no i was gonna say this isn't necessary i mean not uh, you know it's the first time i've been back since the very beginning of of hamster Mm. since i was your second guess yeah i did one with one with joe lister and then i did the brain of morbius with you straight after that. that's right i as well it is learned that i morbius shall return from the grave (laughs) you know Um, i could always sell violence couldn't i Lovely fresh flowers. <laughs> but I was going to say, you know, I've been away for quite a while, but that's not for a lack of trying. No. Um, Jack and I recently uh, recorded a two and a half hour long commentary on um, the Stephen Moffat enormous success. What's it called again? Uh, well enough in time and the doctor falls that's right and boy oh boy that was the most wonderful recording that only half exists <laughs> <laughs> so basically yeah. i forgot to press record my end so my part of the recording will never ever be heard but jack's smarts wit and charisma are, are there for posterity yeah i still i still maintain that you should record the commentary with somebody else and just say I'm there and then you can just edit me in and it's like I was ne- I was never absent. Well, do you know, like, my other half, right, has, done, has been in this situation where it's been half recorded and he has literally taken the other half of the recording and then recorded his bits mm. into it. Well, if you think I'm doing that for two and a half hours... Wow. You've got another thing coming... <laughs> We'll do it again in six months I, when we've forgotten what we said. I that's right. I I was not accounting for the human cost involved in this. We could do it, but should we? I don't know. 
Do I have but the it's... right? Ah, <laughs> uh, that that uh, have you done Genesis of the Daleks? Yeah, I have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good recording as well. Do you know what? Six parters are hard, though. You know, six parters when you have to try because oh, you God. kind of you kind of get it all out in the first couple of episodes about the regulars and about the guest stars and the sets and the direction and all of this, and then you've got four episodes you got to feel somehow. Uh huh. Is it is it part five? Is part five tricky? Yeah, usually six when it's wrapping things up, sort of the pace picks up, and you can. I remember when I did the Space Museum, not Space Museum, the Sensorites with Gary Russell, and come episode three, we were so lacking in things to say. I just started interviewing him about his career for the other four episodes, which was much more interesting than the Sensorites. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure that's actually quite an interesting commentary track there. Mm, well, yeah, it went down pretty well. But, but Jack, what are we talking about today? What have I... you chosen for us? <laughs> I so this is very almost bang on the money for us. This is almost nine minutes into our, into the track before we actually even announce the title. Woo! Good going, us. Uh, we are here to talk about the series nine Christmas special, The Husbands of River Song. We're on tricky right? territory here <laughs> for me. All right, uh -huh. we've got Stephen Moffat, we've got River That's Song. Right. Uh huh. Have we got Clara? No, we haven't got Clara in this, have we? No, Clara. Clara's gone. So, but we, so we have, but we do have Matt Lucas, who you did come to like, but not in this story. But well, I think this is pretty good, actually. You know, and I think this age age is a lot better than some of the Christmas specials. Mm -hmm. I'd say so. I think. Um, I think on 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 first broadcast, I I mean obviously the ending with the River and the and the Doctor, where I think went down quite well. But you know the early stuff with the kind of sort of panto, um, uh, farcical stuff at the beginning was was a bit kind of oh it's just Doctor Who being really kind of camp and silly. Um, but I mean, I, it is. I, I, we I, can't I, deny that it is. No no no. Uh, it uh, I, I, it would be wrong of us to deny that it's 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 marvelous, um, but uh, I think I've se over the years I've seen it creep up on people's favorite Christmas special lists mm, quite. Yeah, a lot. me too. Um, where where yeah. would this sort of rank for you then in in the the plethora of Christmas specials? The plethora, I think we've got a whole season of Christmas specials at this point. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I'm not sure it'd be my number one. Bearing in mind, I, I, there are a fair few of the Christmas specials I do need to rewatch. I was actually thinking of putting on the Runaway Bride the other day. Mm. Um, I would say, I would say, I would put it in my top and the upper end of Christmas specials, probably in the top five at least. Um, so, what I, off the top of my head, what else would I put there? I know we're never going to see head, uh, head, uh, eye to eye, head to head on it, eye to eye. Uh, we're a Christmas Carol. Uh, a Christmas Carol. Yeah. 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 Uh, I please, please, please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> uh, Christmas Invasion would probably be there. Yeah, as well. Last um, Christmas. Definitely, yeah. Last Christmas. Right. Probably both of. Um, the Snowmen. Sure, another. I do. I was thinking the snowman. I do mm. actually have a bit of a soft spot for the next Doctor, actually. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so I yeah. Some, some bits of that. I've got a bit of a soft spot for Voyage of the Damned. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it's kind of irresistible. You've got the Titanic in space. 
and, and then Kylie. Uh, Kylie Minogue. Yeah. <laughs> and Kylie. But uh, more do you know what? I think on on average nowadays, I think I earn more towards the Moffat Christmas specials than the Rossi Davis ones. And I don't think I'd ever say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I lose you there for a yeah, second? Yeah, why, why, why do you think that? Oh, well, um... Yeah, yeah, for a split second. I think Rusty Davis has, like, trappings of Christmas and just tells a story. Whereas I think Stephen Moffat actually leans into the idea of a Christmas special and makes the Christmas elements part of the plot. So, uh, obviously, Christmas Carol is the dickens story but told in a sci-fi setting uh doctor the widow and the wardrobe is obviously telling the line the witch in the wardrobe or elements of it um mm. like last christmas has father christmas as a central character and fuck mm. me did he manage to get away with that i don't know quite how he managed it but he did yeah i the the thing i i i, I think you get particularly around the time of the uh capaldi christmas specials as well um is um i think certainly in last christmas and husbands there's a thematic attempted a loose kind of thematic link with the idea of a last christmas i think he tries to get into that kind of that family melancholy that can sometimes surround christmas of you never know if this is maybe the last time Mm. you'll gather as a family for christmas and then the next time someone is gone uh, and uh, I think uh, you know this whole idea of every Christmas is last Christmas, which is central to the la- to last Christmas, uh, is actually name called right at the end of this episode, of the Husbands of River Song. I think Capaldi actually says, "Every Christmas is last Christmas." Um, yeah. Well, I mean, speaking so, of somebody yeah, who think... um, who who lost his mother in December. Like that has some resonance, you know, and yeah. it, well, in Christmas Carol, he has that line, doesn't he? Halfway out of the dark, he's always trying to make some kind of impactful statement around Christmas. I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like he leans into the Christmas in inverted commas special more than Rusty mm-hmm. Davis does. I think, and obviously, Chris Chibnall ignored it altogether. Christmas don't don't yeah. don't occur in the Chibnall era. Mm-hmm. Everybody's hung over New Year's Day. Yeah, fighting, fighting Daleks usually. All about. Um, but um, yeah. Oh, I lost you then again. Do we need to get into it? We should probably get into it. Yes, we might have a little bit of lagging because I've got a few internet issues today. I'm going to try and edit around it if I can. But please, please be uh, patient with us. (laughs) If one of us sounds like we're going for a time warp. For <laughs> listeners of the Nine Mombi Praise, this will not be an unusual experience. Yeah, especially the early days. <laughs> yeah, when Jack sounded like he was recording in the toilet. <laughs> I, was I actually? I can't remember. Let's, no, no, let's... no. It, it, was, it was entirely due to my technical ineptitude. That was all. Oh. Well, Jack, look. I think it... it's funny if we say I was in a toilet. Oh, my God. Hmm? I've, got, I've got something occurring now, BBC iPlayer. Fortunately, yeah, Jack, I can edit around all of these bits, so don't worry. I'm getting quite oh. good at this now. But Fantastic. when we go in, when we go in, I can't. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. So, Jack, would you like to count us in? Absolutely, ready to go in three, two, one. Off we go. Okay. And this is a beautiful special effects shot, isn't it? Straight in. I know. Immediately crashed 
by one of the silliest looking saucers you'll ever get in Doctor Who. What are you talking about? It's a proper flying saucer. I, well, you know, if you're going to go big, go big on Christmas Day. Oh, do you know what? This street that they make, is this the Trap Street from Face the Raven? I'm pretty sure it is. It it looks, it's, again, pretty narrow, uh, pretty low lighting. I think they've just added some snow and some Christmas lighting and that's about it. And some sort of Christmas fronts, you know, some, some Christmassy shops. Did you mm-hmm. see what it said there on the TARDIS? Carol Singers will oh, yeah. be criticised. Carol Singers will be, will be, uh, yeah. I, I really like the implication that that implies that there have been multiple Christmas carolers knocking on the door and Peter Capaldi just doing, I don't know, a Malcolm Tucker at them, just going, fuck off, go away. He's got, I swear that's the same um, reindeer ears that Wilf had in turn left, you know. I think they are. <laughs> but, they're, but they're holograms. I So this is the first time we meet Matt Lucas. Mm. Um and, you know, I remember when they announced that Matt Lucas was coming back. Not, it wasn't quite announced as a companion, but as a recurring character. And I do remember at the time you were like, what on earth are they doing? That of all the characters, of all the guest stars, they're getting this character back? Well, the thing was, in The Runaway Bride, okay, they take Donna Noble on a journey. So and she starts off as this, like, crazy harridan. By the end of it, they've given her a bit of nuance and a bit of depth. And I can say, okay, yeah, you could make a companion out of this character. Well, they ain't doing that with Matt Lucas in this, are they? Not at all. Um, And certainly, um, when you get to Series 10... The char- if like there is a you could call it a recalibration of the character yeah, that definitely. you know Nardole has this kind of like uh goofy act that conceals an intelligence, but that is absolutely not how the character is being written here. The character in the Husbands of River Song is a hundred percent a comedy stooge. What is his um, purpose in this? I still don't quite understand his purpose. Is he just there to be amusing? <laughs> I think so. Oh, I, I think he's kind of, uh, well, in terms of his plot function, he's kind of there to mistake, to kind of get the incident, the ball rolling, because, you know, you have that thing where he uh, gets the wrong doctor. We just had that bit where the, the surgeon walks past going, are you in need of a surgeon? Which is a very, you know, uh, farcical comedy writing beat that Moffat would be very familiar with. So he's here to kind of get the mis- misunderstanding in the plot going but beyond that not a whole lot other than standing around looking doing matt lucas sounds which you know is fun in itself okay i've got to ask you about this straight away so what do you think about this whole river song doesn't know who the 12th doctor is so the 12th doctor is forced into the role of river song's companion pretending that he doesn't know who she is i mean to some to some extent if you push it too much if you push it too hard, it all falls apart. They, um, uh, uh, there is a certain logical breaking point with it, but it, 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 I think it gets away with it on two factors, N- namely that it does try to address why, they, try, it does try to present a plausible reason why River doesn't know who the 12th Doctor is, um, and also the other, and it all, but it's also coasting on the, on the fact that it, is just very fun seeing Peter Capaldi playing second fiddle, uh, se- second fiddle to Alex Kingston. 
I think this entire uh, Christmas special is sold on the chemistry between Peter Capaldi and Alex Kingston, which is palpable. And you, you certainly prefer Alex Kingston here than necessarily oh, opposite Matt Smith. I think after Silence Alive Before Us of the Dead, this is my favourite River Song episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it's not all about her being a mystery. It's not all about, she's not like a plot function in this. She is just a, a really savvy, really smart, very funny character that just so happens to have this glorious romance with the 12th Doctor. I mean, yeah. if you would have said to me, yeah, that... um after all of those Matt Smith episodes with Alex Kingston, that Peter Capaldi would come in and the most romantic scenes between the Doctor and River would be the 12th Doctor. I'd have laughed in your face. Uh, I think but I think you, you nearly did. It was. Uh, it really, really works. Like, when he saw her a minute ago, he's beaming from ear to ear. I mean, it's a bit ghoulish when he yeah. smiles, if I'm honest. <laughs> don't you think? I don't know what He's a lovely, he's a lovely little puppy dog of a man, um, with a nasty bite. Um, I do remember though, certainly at the time this was coming out, because um, River's story had, in a way, been—I mean, it's always been capped off since it does begin at its end. But um, the last time she had appeared in Doctor Who was in the name of the Doctor, which was kind of an epilogue to her story for mm. in, in where it was. It was kind of her data ghost after the events of silence in, in the library and it, it 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 works as an ending for her so there were i do remember there were some people going and i think i think you might have been one of those people at the time it's like do we re is, uh, hasn't this all been done have we re- oh already- i know that was definitely me in fact every time river yeah. song popped up again i was like really are we still doing this well boy did i eat some humble pie by the time i got to the end of this episode <laughs> Uh-huh. But um it did I, I do remember you saying at the time you weren't necessarily a fan of all this kind of this kind of mucking about at the beginning. But you seem you seem a bit more on board nowadays. Am I, I think, right? Am I wrong? I think when they go onto the spaceship in the second half of the episode, yeah, pretty much from that point on, this it, the episode is gold. It is mm-hmm. brilliant lines, it's great plot uh, inversions. The special effects are great, but most importantly, that central relationship. Like, I don't always think Moffat hits when it comes to the relationship stuff and when it comes to sentiment, but he taps into something very, very moving in this episode. And so I think the second half of this is really great. Yeah, the first half it is very farcical. It's a bit shouty. I don't really like shouty comedy. And you've got Greg Davis uh-huh. stomping about being very shouty, and I, I just don't find that very funny. Is that wrong with me? Yeah. No, not necessarily. Uh, it, it is definitely a taste thing. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes shouty comedy can be delightful and hysterical. And Peter Capaldi, you know, got earned his his comedy, uh, uh, you know, acclaim on one of the shoutiest comedy characters ever committed to British television. But it's... Um, it's it's all in the precision. It's all in the in the in the detail of the brush strokes. Whereas you know stuff like this is is very broad. Well, you know what's um, so delightful though. After three incredibly heavy episodes, face the Raven, Heaven Sent, and Hell Ben, where you know he's angry and a bit psychotic by the end of that season. Um, it's so nice to see him having fun. Yeah. 
because that um that tail end of series nine is and I mean this for the character is quite punishing. Yeah. But I can also but certainly by the time you get to hell bent, there are some people who are like, no, this Jackson genuinely is quite punishing to watch. Um and so, I'll tell you yeah, what, uh, I'll tell you what, the it's worth going through. I, I say going through, it is really fun. And I know you're going to celebrate the bit where he goes into the TARDIS and pretends he's gone into the TARDIS for the first time. It, but it is worth going through all of this sort of, um, she doesn't know who he is for the moment when she does realise who he is. And that, I'm telling oh. you, that is one of the best moments in the entire Stephen Moffat era. Definitely. It's what, it, what makes everything work. Um, but I was actually going to ask, um, are you, uh, do you actually like Greg Davis in this episode? Not really. No, not really. I, I just don't think there's much character there. So I don't really get the character. He's just, he's basically like the graph in decay, isn't he? From Reboss. Pretty much. Um, oh, I thought you were about to say the grask. Just like the grass. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like like the graph in decay was very shouty and pompous mm. and warlike and a bit useless mm -hmm. as well. I mean I quite it's quite quirky, you know, you can take his head off and things like that. Like that's quite visually quirky. It it is very funny to like see all the excuses they try to find to remove the head and then immediately put it on us in like uh they put him on a table they they come up with a very odd configuration in the tardis that has never been seen before and it just makes me laugh to think oh the rest of greg davis's incredibly enormous body is just being filtered through somewhere else and he's uh, very funny i've seen greg davis on room 101 and he's a really mm -hmm. witty bloke yeah he is he's very funny but it's again. It's the it's the same thing you get with Matt Lucas here because Matt Lucas is giving a similarly broad performance, not mm. one you would necessarily think um, is a lot. There's a lot of substance or depth to, and you know, given the chance um, uh, uh, that there's a lot more to that performance than meets the eye on first glance. The doctor literally just said, "I am the doctor." There, she still didn't get it. Like, is she a bit dense? <laughs> okay. Uh, I oh, we're getting the ninja noises. <laughs> it's all getting a bit. It's all. It's all getting a bit silly now, ain't it? It is a bit. It is. Oh yeah, here we go. Look, taking his head off. Now that's quite quirky. In fact, that he does some very fun things with heads in this. What about later on when that fella unzips his head? and takes out oh, the yeah. <laughs> that's incredible i uh, i will say when when the what are they called the the winter shoal or something like that yeah i i was kind of like i do remember when dr mysterio came around just like we're bringing these guys back <laughs> i mean the effect was great when they tear oh, their head it's but really I don't think clever anybody i don't think anybody was going like yeah bring them back next episode right now I think, do you know what, I'm going to say something bold about Peter Capaldi here, is I think this is the episode where he really sort of learned how to play every single facet of his Doctor. And he, I think you can see him visibly relaxing. 
the first season, I think he's a bit tense and a bit angry, and he's playing that sort of doctor. The second yeah. season, uh, they kind of shift between it being a bit farcical and a bit sort of um, dad going through a midlife crisis. And then yeah. here, he's just like, no, I'm just playing the Doctor. And I think it, it happens here, and it happens in Doctor Mysterio as well. He's just very relaxed, and he's kind of enjoying himself. And then that takes us into Series 10, where he's just got it. Whatever it is, he's got it distilled. That, yeah, and it's a bit and it's a bit tricky, because like, there is still quite a, a broad conception of, the, of how Peter Capaldi played it. I think among more casual fans that um, he is quite nasty and unpleasant and not very likable, which is mostly serious. If you stick it out, he's, you know, like in stuff like this, where he's being asked to do like very kind of, he, he veers between melancholy and comedy and broad comedy quite well. Um, uh, and so it's kind of one of those things where if you stick around, you'll definitely get the goods with Capaldi. I maintain from the very beginning, but I can understand why he's not everybody's cup of tea. Ooh, right you know, you know me. I think I, his season eight <laughs> persona is my favourite. The asshole Capaldi. Mm, I wonder why. But I do think I do think that sort of marrying the humour and the grumpiness that that series ten, he gets it absolutely spot on in episodes like Thin Ice and things like that. I I do think you know I, I do actually quite like Matt Smith and Alex Kingston together but I do think there is something very different and they they do actually feel like an, a proper married couple here and look and, at him uh, look at him here he's literally lying in the snow laughing his head off at yeah. uh, a ranting mad head in a bag I mean, that's delightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, this is kind of the point where, you know, even the doctor has to stop and go, come on, you, you have to understand what's going on here. Um, and, you know, Moffat does, it's a little cheeky here by going, oh, you know, as far as River's concerned, Matt Smith was the last doctor because of how we've done the the, the doctor numbering where you know she's uh counting john hurt and um the second uh you know david Tennant's regeneration the stolen earth like there, there are no doctors after matt smith there can't be it can't happen so that, that's why i i do not acknowledge the existence of peter cabal's <laughs> oh this oh that's a great reaction <laughs> who is this hottie that's just turned up Oh, you say this every time, and I, you know what? I was like, yeah, I agree. Who is this terribly handsome man? He's very handsome. I'm not sure. Is that is that River Song's? Oh no, that's a, like a partner in crime, isn't it? Yeah, but they're also married as well. I think in a very like, isn't it in this Moffaty? It's a really Moffaty thing where it's like, oh, we, we're married, but I erased your memory because you were being annoying. Oh my uh, god! Did you see that? Did you see that? Um, all those photographs of all the old doctors. Yeah, 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 and it cut and it cuts off at Matt Smith. Oh no! Did you see that? It said codename Damsel in Distress. I swear yes. that's a reference. That is a reference to Doctor in Distress. I swear. <laughs> oh, you're just looking for any old excuse to put that up. I wouldn't put it past him, Jack. I wouldn't put it past <laughs> him. 
I wouldn't. Do you think Russell would bring back Doctor? In, no, no, no. He's got too. He, he's got a good sense of good, good head on his shoulders. That's what. That's the expression I was going for. See, this is where I think the farce all gets a bit much. You've got Matt Lucas sort of prostrating in front of this ranting robot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really shaking, really, really doing his best jowl acting here. But do you remember the Ross T. Davis quote where he said that, you know, the Christmas time is where it's got to be at its most sort of broadly enjoyable for the whole family, because this is like for a lot of people, this will be the only episode they watch because they're watching yeah. it on Christmas Day. Well, what would uh -huh. people make of this? Matt Smith <laughs> roaming around in this robot suit going, I don't like it. I don't like I it. I don't like it. <laughs> No, don't, don't worry, don't worry. The Buzz Lightyear um, uh, things are going to pop out in a sec, and he's going to be a great big toy. Oh, my word. Did, I mean, did you watch this with your family? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Is there a reason think... for that? Oh, no. I, I mean, none in particular. I think I was away. Uh, I would broadcast like I can't remember. But... Um, I did watch it by myself, and it's like, Dad would probably like this. Mom would be going, like, "Oh my god, what the hell are we watching?" <laughs> Although to Your be fair, as it, a, she sounds like a woman of great taste. She, well, you say that. I mean, I did show her episode one of City of Death, and she's like, "Oh god, what the hell are you making me watch, Jack? This is oh, awful." Bless her. Oh god, Jack, will you do me a favour? Will you do the impression of Peter Capaldi in a minute when he goes inside the TARDIS? Because I know you can. <laughs> I know you can do this well. Okay. All right. Prepare yourself. Okay. Ah yes, yes. Getting into character. Uh, I, I'm not Jacob Dudman. I can't quite do the full kind of Doctor, but I'll I'll give it a crack. Before they do go in, I'm going to say um, uh, the, the thing about new Doctor Who is you can tell whereabouts in Peter Capaldi's era you are because of the size of his buffon before <laughs> it's true it's true yeah i mean but like I, I, it was a joke we were making until you actually get to twice upon a time where his hair is long it's it's so pertly absurdly long okay are you ready for this here we go doesn't he say finally it's my turn or something like that yes finally <laughs> Here we it's go. It's my go. Oh, my. God. <laughs> it's bigger on the inside than it is. Oh. <laughs> on the outside? Do I have to do the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, go on. Uh, my entire understanding of physical space has been transformed! <laughs> Three-dimensional Nuclidian engineering has been torn off and snogged to death by grasp of the universal constant sense of physical reality has been changed. <laughs> He's having so Forever. much fun, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but this is what makes the scene so great. He does all this grandstanding and showing off and then Riversong does this completely ridiculous thing, but that the Doctor has never noticed in his own TARDIS, which is just pulling the brandy case out. I like to think, though, that somewhere behind those roundels in every console we've had over all time is that brandy cabinet. 
I know. Well, I think that that's a joke that's actually made in Twice Upon a Time. Doesn't Willie, uh, David Bradley open one of the roundels and that same cabinet of brandy is in there? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's a point I wanted to ask you about that. Well, because this mm -hmm. technically might have been the end of the Stephen Moffat era, might it? That's right. Um, uh, I, because I, I think Chris Chipnell had been announced to be the incoming show. Yeah. Had he been announced at this point? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, before before this Mysterio, yeah, we waited a couple of years because he, he was doing Broadchurch. That's right. So, and I think he agreed. Yeah, that's right. He agreed to do Series 10 because um, Chibnall wouldn't be able to come on board for Series 10. And, uh, yeah, he did briefly talk about leaving... On the Husbands of River Song. Does which that mean is why Capaldi, would Capaldi have only had two seasons? Uh, uh, possibly. Um, I, I, from what I understand, there was like gen, a gen, even after series 10, there was a, com a brief period where, you know how Tennant nearly, like for a brief period, nearly stayed on for series five? Yeah. I think there was a very brief time where Chris Chibnall had a conversation with Peter Capaldi about staying on and from all i from all i know if capaldi had said yes he would have they would have had him but um okay. uh, i think capaldi was pretty set on leaving so it was never a serious conversation um so yeah in short there there, there is a possibility that you know stephen moffat might have left on the husbands of river song and uh you know the following year series 10 Episode one with Chris Chibnall and Peter Capaldi, which would have been something. I'm going to say, well, I, I wouldn't want to lose series 10 for anything because I think that Thin Ice, Extremists, um, Oxygen, World Enough Time and The Doctor Falls are some of the best of the era. So I wouldn't want to lose series 10 because I do think it is pretty strong. But I would say I think the latter half of this episode would have been a better out than Twice Upon a Time. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, here you like even by some of Moffat's standards, you can definitely tell. Twice upon a time is written kind of out of necessity, yeah. and after having said yes after three glasses of wine or something, because um, here you know uh, Moffat is clearly making an effort to kind of wrap up. Uh, his entire approach to Doctor Who in some ways. He's, you know, he's tying up the River Song story, which, you know, uh, when he was announced as showrunner was around the time that Silence of the Library and um, Forest of the Dead came out. Isn't that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, uh, so his entire tenure has was kind of marked, in theory, by the beginning of River Song and almost by the end of the River Song story. Um but, you know, he's also doing, you know, like farce and, and broad comedy, which are, are his, which is his trade. So I think he's trying to do everything he can in his wheelhouse before he goes, in some respects. Aside from the horror that actually put his name on the map. <laughs> well, quiet, yeah. Well, is there horror in this? Do you think there's horror in this? Oh, I mean, there's a little bit of body horror. Like the effect of the winter shawl tearing their own heads apart is That's true. is uh, kind of unpleasant. But nothing, nothing 
in the in the vein of you know those early stories, uh, you know, with the Clockwork Men and the Gas Mask Child, the Angels, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Angels, yeah. of course. Um, but I, do you know especially... it? It does feel that last scene in front of the towers. It does feel like the end of an era, doesn't it? Like I know it is the end of an era because it's the end of River storyline, but it does. I think it really feels like. Oh, it's just perfect. It would have been a perfect way to end it. And you know, I don't think Twice Upon a Time is entirely without merit. I think there's some good stuff in there. But you're right, it is a bit of a nothing episode because, like you say, it was conjured up in a bit of desperation. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Twice Upon a Time basically exists out of goodwill and desperation. Can I just say, like, we're going on to this spaceship now, yeah, which is obviously yeah. filmed in some absolutely glorious house somewhere. Um, it's stylish as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where we're getting a little bit of um, a little bit of Voyage of the Damned again. Um, but as yeah, I think you're one hundred percent right. As soon as we get to this cruise liner, the criminal cruise liner in space, it's almost it like the a... tone coheres, doesn't it? It all just perfectly yeah i mean uh i think the style helps a lot because you know you suddenly you've got everybody looking dapper and impressive in suits and uh the gear shift definitely but you know we're also actually getting perhaps for the first time to the actual substance of the episode as well uh you know we're about to go into that scene where the doctor and river uh you know uh the doctor spots the diary and the diary is almost full and he realizes, and there's a really great line about how the man who gave me this diary is the, is the kind of man who would know exactly how many pages you would need to fill a diary with. Um, yeah. So, so it's it actually becomes about it actually follows through on the dramatic potential of what if uh, River doesn't know that the Doctor is standing right next to her, whereas in the first half of the episode it's all kind of broad and fun. Whereas the second half, from them arriving on the spaceship onwards, actually becomes about what is she willing, what is the, she willing to let slip about the Doctor and her impression and her character, her, her her characterization of the man she's married to, to him, not knowing that it's him. I could have said that in, in a much more no, but I seriously, but I also think as well it pays off the stunning idea that in the silence and library forest of the dead the first time that he meets her is the moment where she dies so that's the end of their story and that that poignant idea of one last adventure and then you have to go off to your death and that yeah. just that has an inherent poignancy in it doesn't it yeah and there is um if you're if you're paying very very close attention you should uh, you do pick up on that a little bit at the beginning because in that first interaction, you know, uh, River does say, Nardole, what have you brought to my doorstep? And the doctor says, uh, I've had a haircut. This is my best suit, uh, which is exactly what River says in uh, Forest of the Dead. You turned up on my doorstep with a new haircut and a I'd suit. I've forgotten that. Yeah, and a new screwdriver. And he has because she hasn't seen that screwdriver before. Oh, doesn't he give yeah. her the screwdriver in this? He does. He gives her the screwdriver, oh, which had, man. which uh, if you were so so inclined to be bothered by such things, was a was a loose end. Which is where does where does River get the screwdriver? And it's not something that really needs to be resolved, but it's good that it is. 
this um this whole sequence here reminds me of deep breath and that long sequence between the doctor and clara in the restaurant and a similar thing yeah. happens isn't it in deep breath it's all um clockwork people and in this are they all those creatures those yeah, they're all uh, they they booked out the entire dining cart. And it does that wonderful Moffat-y thing of when you suddenly catch up and you realize they're surrounded, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to work out if there are any clues in the background, but no, they've all got their faces away, so I don't think you can actually tell. But I think Stephen um, Moffat does those reversals really well. So this plays out like a, a funny character scene at a dinner table, and then you suddenly realize they're in a trap. And I can't think of anything more Moffat-y than that. Indeed. Um, ah, here's that scene I was talking about. Oh, yes, uh, nearly I think, yeah. I think that's an Oscar Wilde quote uh, when uh, she says, oh, one should always have something sensational to read on a spaceship. I I think Oscar Wilde said, uh, I don't think he said the spaceship bit. I think he just said that, uh, something, someone, uh, someone should always have something scandalous to read on a train. <laughs> um, so it's... isn't there a bit in a minute i seem to remember you know when the floor falls through they've timed the, is it the doctor who's timed it so the terrible disaster is going to occur just when they need to escape it's it's river it's uh, so good done... it's wonderful i've uh i've do i do i i've got to ask since i know this can this particular thing that moffat does can sometimes rub you very much the wrong way uh, what do you think of um, the kind of implication, uh, the the uh, the the suggestion this story sets up in its first half that River Song doesn't actually love the Doctor at all? She's just um, uh, taking taking him for a ride and using her uh, him as uh, as her help, and she's actually kind of a nefarious character. Well, that's a very cute notion, but I don't buy it for a second, and it, because of everything we've seen so far. And because yeah, of yeah, yeah. how she feels about him in Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. So all of that's been set up to show that that's a complete lie. Uh-huh. So you don't think it really has much dramatic, uh, like serious dramatic weight to it? No, but I think, I think like in terms of, oh my word, look at him peeling that head. Oh, he's about to do it. Here we go. Do you know what makes it? Do you know what makes it super gross? Is that there's all that gunk inside as well, isn't there? I know. Oh, that's strange. horrible. And the camera, actually... the camera's behind his head, and it reveals Peter Capaldi as it tears open. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great line as well. Uh, you probably shouldn't do that in a restaurant. Oh, look at all the goo on it. Oh, come on. That's. It's such a good effect, though, isn't it? Isn't that clever? I know, I know. Sometimes Doctor Who really gets it right. Yeah, yeah. Now I know Peter Capaldi has been a little bit uh, disingenuous about the special effects of Doctor Who since he left, and probably so because he's been in these big blockbuster movies since then. But like things like that. Do you remember the the fella made out of snakes in The Magician's Apprentice? Oh yes, yes, yes. That's right. And things like uh, that. I really yeah. think are effective. It's the it's the great thing about Doctor Who, uh, the great kind of spin the wheel. There are some things, you know, that look, you know, I rewatched um, Partners in Crime earlier today, and some of you know, some of those effect shots are great, and some of those effect shots have aged terribly. Um, but it's all, but when Doctor Who gets it right, it gets it so good. 
And this is Doctor Who still. Like, when are we ever going to judge this on his special effects? Oh, well, we might now. It's got six million per episode. Ah, long live, long live Russell T. Davis. Long, long live the God King. So, what's the idea here? Am I right? She's timed the something going into the ship so they can get out of this trap. Yes. Yeah, so the whole it's 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 all in that great line where she's like, uh, where they ask, ah, uh, you know, how could you possibly know this? I'm an archaeologist from the future. I dug you up. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah, so clear. It's it's clear what it is. It's it's a variation of um, you know, uh, Captain Jack's plan in um, uh, the Doctor dances. Do you remember when he talks about volcano? How he has a heist time for Volcano Day? Yeah. Um, it's basically that kind of in real time, where um, you know, she he's River Song's found out about a famous catastrophe and has timed her her criminal heist to coincide with that historical disaster. Um, I've got to say, right, and I wouldn't say this very often, so enjoy the moment, yeah. But when Moffitt's are often trying to be very, very clever, yeah, and sometimes yeah. he overstretches himself and sometimes it all gets a bit smug and a bit silly. And uh, But boy, oh boy, man, when it sings like this, when it all coheres like narratively with the lines with the performances man there's nothing finer is there in doctor who no i i i 100 agree and even in stuff like th this this bit here which is pure farce mm -hmm. i i i think actually lands quite well because uh um, the setup has been is actually quite good in terms of why they can't open the bag and then try to fight any possible excuse not to open the bag like it's uh the reason the logic and reasons are compelling so it's actually really funny to watch peter capaldi squirm as they open up to find the severed head of great <laughs> your god <laughs> oh dear I can't stand idly by and let this continue. <laughs> it's like Peter Capaldi saying, this is just too absurd now, all right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's getting silly. It's getting a bit silly. But, like, I was, I did a commentary recently on The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Obviously, that was his first stab at Doctor Who. And the mm. bit at the end where she reveals that she is his mummy and the answer to this bloody thing has been staring you in the face for the entire... Like, I, I just think when Moffin's on it, Oh, it's just gold. Yeah, yeah. What's There's, happened to um... me? I know, I know. I'm, I'm not used to getting such, such words out of you so easily. Well, there you go. Uh, well, must be. It really is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Shall God I? God bless us. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Halfway out of the dark. Oh dear. Oh my god, all oh, these weird stuff... oh, oh can I say as well, do you know the fella, that slimy fella, the alien? Yeah. What's his character's name? He's great, isn't he? The actor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forget his name, but he's fantastic. And they're I not afraid. They're not afraid to put him right up close to the camera, are they? Like this. You know, so you can see all that makeup in full. Mm. And uh even though he doesn't have any eyebrows, you can practically see him flicking them up. It's really charming. Or twirling his Very... moustache, one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually, you know what, for a, for a comedy performance that, you know what, 
is is a bit too much. I do love that they actually just shoot Hydroflex in his own face. It does make me laugh. <laughs> well, it's a bit like the Graf in the K getting bombed to death by himself, isn't it? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And and Greg Davis pulls what I think is possibly one of the single stupidest expressions ever committed to film in Doctor <laughs> Who. It is one of the dumbest looks a man has ever pulled on this show. It wouldn't be out of place in a car soon, would it? <laughs> oh, it's funny. No! <laughs> and there's the crystal. There's, there's the diamond. Mm. So what's that diamond again? Uh, the, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. The, uh, uh, the, uh, someone who's been listening to the commentary will probably know. Um, right in. What, what, what's the diamond called? But what's it all about? Is uh, it just very expensive? Uh, yes, it is. It, um, it's a prize diamond, um, from, a, a from a people that Hydroflax conquered. And, uh, Riversong has been hired to, to steal it back from from hydroflax which is why she pretends to be his husband okay wowzers did you see that the camera going through the top of the spaceship right down into the ballroom there yeah it's um paul uh, who is paul mckinnon uh, does he do any others i, think I don't think he did did he no no no, no. It, yeah he did um it's um he did a cold war and uh, the Sontaran Stratagem and the Poison Sky. Oh, yes, him, of course. Oh, he did listen as well, didn't he? He did He did listen in Time Heist as well. He's come a long way since those early days of Sontaran Stratagem and uh, Poison Sky, which I do like, but I think there is a bit of awkward direction in them. By the time he gets to listen, man, oh man, there's some atmosphere. Yeah, and he's, and he's done well for himself beyond the show. He, he did... Um... He directed, uh, uh, I think, off the back of his Doctor Who work, he directed the TV adaptation of Good Omens. Oh, of course uh, he did, yeah. That was a massive endeavour. It was, it was. A lot of money went into that. And uh, he also did an episode of Sherlock immediately. I think, actually, was it? Yeah, it would have been around the time of the Husbands of a Song. He directed a, an episode of Sherlock as well. Was that one of the uh, goodies? Uh, it really divided opinion it's the it was the one that was um set in when they kind of went back to victorian london but it also wasn't really set in victorian london and it was kind of gators and moffat trying to be a bit too clever for their own good uh -huh. um but it's very it's very stylish to look at and i think they got rachel to for the the series afterwards so there you know there was a a little bit of uh sherlock pinching from doctor, doctor who, who. Well, As, why wouldn't uh, you though? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Like you've got well, exactly. in, I mean, it's the, in the new in the new it's Doctor Who Benjamin from Doctor Who, but in the new Rusty Davis era, he's got Rachel Talele, and I think they've just announced one of the Chibnall directors as well. So he's cherry picking the best of the directors that have been. But you know, a lot of these uh, of Doctor Who modern Doctor Who's directors do go on to do some pretty big stuff mm. uh, following this. Like, do you remember Toby Haynes, who directed um, the Pandorica opens the Big Bang? Oh, he yeah, did, he amazingly did... well. Yeah, he did. He did a stretch of the the Smith era where he did Pandorica opens Big Bang, Christmas Carol, and then the series six opener. Mm -hmm. um, 
and he you know he went on to direct a big chunk of um the star wars show andor oh wow um, okay yes and similarly uh what's his name uh he i think he directed a few episodes of the chipnell era and and empress of mars uh wayne wayne wow yip. wayne yip he did um resolution didn't he yeah he did. He went on to direct, I think, a couple of episodes of Lord of the Rings, the the Rings of Power. Wow. Which, but, you know, do you know what, is... though? I think because Doctor Who's got a fair budget, but it hasn't got a massive budget compared to Andor and that Lord of the Rings show. I think if you can prove your worth on a show with a kind of a smaller budget, people probably will go, well, what can yeah, they do yeah. if you but throw a lot that, of money but... at them? Exactly. Like, it's, it's that thing where of such limited resources, but of in terms of the storytelling ambition in genre, uh, it's of the same scale. Also, we've just completely not talked about the wonderful scene we have just got here of uh, River realising who the Doctor is. Do you know what? The bit where I hate the Hello Sweetie line, but in this episode, when he says it, I'm almost like, mm. I can forgive any Hello Sweetie for that moment, <laughs> which is just beautiful. Uh, yeah, and it's so genuine and so sincere. And of course, you know, a moment later, they, you know, they're teasing each other. And um, but do you uh, remember how like Matt Smith could be quite vicious with her, couldn't he? He could be quite rude and you know a bit nasty with her in in Flesh and Stone in the Angels Take Manhattan. We've talked about that before, you know, where he's quite mm. enough. Capaldi's really gentle with her in a way that I just didn't yeah. expect. Yeah. I I remember Moffat saying that Russell uh loved the idea of Kingston and Capaldi together. And in fact, in look, slightly odd phrasing, but apparently uh Russell wrote back going, Oh, Capaldi and Kingston together, it'll be a sex storm. I mean it is. They are sizz they sizzle on screen together. They do have great chemistry together. And I don't know, um, they just look good in silhouette as well. There was a shot just there of the two of them, like, um, side profile. Oh, uh, yeah, and I do think uh, one of their, one of the first publicity stills released to them together came from this moment where they're hanging on to each other. And they just look absolutely right together. They do genuinely feel like uh, a couple in a, in a screwball comedy. Well, that's the thing as well, and 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 what you need because Moffat's always writing these sort of comedy duos, aren't they? These romantic comedy duos sniping yeah. at each other. What you need is two bloody good actors, and that's what you've got here. Mm -hmm. Like I, I often I've... say that I think Capaldi is a lot better than half the material we got in Doctor Who. Like I feel as if he was mm -hmm. a bit undersold half the time. Half the time they gave him really strong stuff to do, and absolutely he was amazingly good. But mm -hmm. I think all of these scenes between him and Kingston from now on. Oh man, I'm not going to hold it together at the climax, you know. I uh, don't worry. We've still got some stupid stuff to get through first. So also got you know that singing towers that, that's one of my favorite um, ever um murray gold pieces of music you know with that woman singing i know yeah yeah, yeah. didn't you uh, say you used to listen to it at the gym no i would listen to it when i was meditating sometimes ah oh, that was it because it's, re it. yeah, it's yeah. so beautiful honestly hmm. i've always i've always been a big fan of how they get rid of the hydroflax body 
they just overwhelm it with how confusing the stock market is. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Captain Kirk would do it, you know. Yeah. Oh, is it? I mean, I barely know a thing about Star Trek, so I'll take your word for he it. He was talking mad computers to death, left, right, and center. Uh, it's a it's a hard skill. You, know, you know what? You got it. You got it. Jack, I think I can't believe I'm about to say this. I think oh. I could have I could have done with if this had been a year earlier. Yeah, if they'd done last Christmas, Husbands of River Song. Oh no, Husbands of River Song would have been the end of the season. Still, I could have had a whole season of Kingston and Capaldi. Oh wow, that's are you gonna are you gonna keep that comment in the recording? Are you gonna yeah. edit around that? No, I think they're really. I, instead of having that second year with. Um, Capaldi and Coleman, I think this could have rocked. Oh, and here you go. As soon as as soon as you get to the Derillion bit, this is where the episode changes gear again and you get the real, real substance of it. Yeah. And 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 um it's again Moffat is uh very obsessive about continuity details at times. Uh, and it's it's so blinking you'll miss it. But um, when they're talking, uh, when she's uh, talking about all the times they previously cancelled um, uh, going to Derillium, she makes an offhand comment where she goes, uh, do you remember that time there were two of you? Um, which is actually a reference to the first the first time that Moffat actually wrote the Doctor going to the Singing Towers at Derillium which was in a mini episode for series six. I think it was last night. Okay. Do you remember on the box no, set? No, no, no. I didn't always watch them. Um, there was um, a box, there was a mini ep a mini River Doctor episode on the series six box set where, um, you know, some comedy mishaps happen, but it does end with the future Doctor arriving in the TARDIS, revealing that he's taking River to the singing towers of Derillium. And it's Matt um. Smith who's taking her, taking him. So clearly, Moffat is like, I'm writing the Singing Towers of Derillium story, but I've already attempted to write that before, so I've got to somehow square that off continuity-wise. Um, so if you're insanely uh, fixated on those things, there's a little get out of there's a little fix here. He's um he's not that obsessed with continuity. All the way from Metabolis Free. Meta uh, oh yeah, Metabolis Free. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, um the doctor just tried to he's he's got a habit of doing this now, doesn't he? Beaming people the people he loves away in the nick of time. He just tried it with River and then she beamed herself back again because she's smart. Yeah. And this is this moment, you get, you see this look on Capaldi's face where he basically decides now is the time, and I, and it's an interesting thing you kind of get with Capaldi's character, I think, as the Doctor. Whereas one of the things that defined Matt Smith is that you know, uh, was how vigorously he avoided endings. The Doctor doesn't like endings was a thing that came up quite a lot. Whereas here, you've got the Twelfth Doctor actively finishing the story he makes the choice to end it well you kind of get get you hate and eat it because it's also a 24 year yeah, yeah 24 day. years so it's a long goodbye it's almost as long as lord of the rings return of the king <laughs> um uh, do you know what though you've got you've got all these sort of um clever moffaty ideas here so the doctor he opens the door it's day he needs it to be 
be the next day when the um the construction is about to start doesn't it he gives him the diamond and says why don't you build a restaurant which makes the restaurant you know so the doctor's sort of creating the whole thing so he can say goodbye to river on this last night or you know i always say i don't really like it moffat's clever but these sort of cute little ideas one after another i just think it would have been a nice way for him to out actually this all of this mm. definitely and it, you know when he gets it right it's one of the it's one of the fun things that he does very well which uh and i know this uh as an example and i know this is in a story that you find quite frustrating uh the big bang one of the mm. most fun bits of the big bang is when the doctor is zipping back and forth essentially having fun with the time travel and going ah oh, here's the you know here's that can of soda or whatever it was and so when when he's just using time travel in a clever way essentially to be fun and funny it's quite delightful it's when it gets into more complicated mega na narrative shenanigans yeah. that it gets a bit oh jesus season long arcs where suddenly you you pull at threads and none of it makes any sense or people have to be deliberately deceptive for other people to learn certain things and all that nonsense but i'll tell you uh, the one time when he gets it right throughout just a, an entire episode and it's all clever clever narrative quirks like that is day of the doctor it's just one after another and it just works every single time yeah yeah there's some there's some good plotting in that one. Oh, amazingly um, good the best bit is where uh they're all stuck in that uh and they do that a long sequence where they're all stuck in that cell together and then clara oh, just yeah. walks in and says oh the door's unlocked ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go oh jack the lighting and the the set dressing in this sequence the special effects the music it's just all sublime I, they, they get it all right here yeah even with uh nardol having quote-unquote me time yeah <laughs> which i it's, dread to... it's still stephen moffat there's got to be some awful sex gag in there somewhere yeah i know it's 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 definitely veering into love and monsters you know uh we have a bit of a love life territory oh uh, is he sucking him off who knows oh i don't I... want to know Ah, yes, and here we get Capaldi in his new suit, as we, you know, properly tying things up again. Just, oh my god, this is so romantic. And you know me, I'm a massive romantic. If someone did this for me, man, oh man, I'd do anything. Yeah, and here's the that original Sonic, future Sonic screwdriver from Series 4, one of the best toys you'll ever get. Do you um, think um, Moffat has got an obsession with tying things up like this? A little, um, uh, I mean, you know, there are a lot of things he's, he's perfectly happy to let go. And in something like, um, uh, the time of the doctor, he, there are some things he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, fine. That's done. Uh, we're not going to address that. We'll wrap that up in like two seconds. Whereas here he's actually taking the time to properly think through the way what what is the best way to finish the story did you see that small flock of birds just uh they cgi'd in across those towers there yeah it just gives yeah, I don't know, exactly. just everything oh look and the way this pans out across the planet with the woman singing oh it's so beautiful mm. good grief i didn't think i was going to be this positive <laughs> sorry 
<laughs> we can we hey Joe, it's not too late for you to delete this commentary track too. No, no, I'm putting this one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot to hit record. Oh no. <laughs> I've got both, don't worry. And what surprises me is you just would not imagine of course he's an actor of course he can do it but you just don't see capaldi as like a romantic lead do you really no no he's a bit too you know even a, a movie my favorite personal favorite film is the personal history of david copperfield um where he's quite delightful in that but i still remember reading some reviews of him he played mr micawber in that where they were saying, I remember one was like, oh, he's a bit too thin and he's a bit too scary looking to be Macorber. <laughs> um, he should have been some. He should have been the villain of the piece rather than you know this kind of happy-go-lucky character. And I think he does still get pigeonholed a little bit as um, scary, nasty man. When actually he can he can do that kind of romantic tenderness when the moment calls for it. Well, I tell you, but I mean, they have softened his look a little bit here. His hair's a little softer. He's in a nice suit. There's suffused yeah. lighting all around and all of that. Yeah, but it's how he plays it. He looks at her sort of longingly, you know, and he's a bit cheeky with her. And then the bit in the minute where we cut away and they look at each other and they're going in for a sn the way they look at each other. I mean, that's going to be a hot night on that balcony. I'll tell you. I <laughs> uh, but uh, you know it also ties up with um that uh, you get a sense of the kind of burden that the 12th doctor has been carried like the kind of pain he's been carrying since the end of series nine um and there's that lovely line coming up just now when he's like oh you know um um you know happy endings is it's just a lie and then river says it just means time that's gorgeous so sweet and you know, I want to take you back to uh 1995, pre the TV movie, before Paul McGann shoved Daphne Ashbrook up against a, a tree and snogged the life out of her while she was a bit chased. And the whole of fandom imploded because Doctor Who kissed a girl. I mean, if this scene had come out in the TV movie, ending with the pair of them staring into each other's eyes in this romantic setting, going in for the kill, I mean, can you imagine? Mm. Ian Levine would have spontaneously combusted. Yeah, and you know, broken heart into flames. It would have been deep breath, but with Ian Levine, I. Oh, it's so lovely. For once, I don't have a smart like, comment to make. And it's that, and it's it's kind of in these moments where he gets things right because you know he kind of says, you know. Nobody knows where the music comes from. It might be the distance between the towers and the resonance of the sound, but really it's 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 magic, you know, it's magic yeah. that the the towers are able to sing. And sometimes, and I know for you especially, whenever sometimes when Moffat goes, it's magic, just go with it. It can really get on your nerves. But here it's just Oh no, here it just works. This is it's like a Disney movie, this. I mean, it says and they lived happily ever after, and then that all sort of vanishes into snow. It's just lovely. And but uh, but what you get is that you know it says they lived happily ever after, but it it it's little time. So the only word that remains is that you know it doesn't matter if they lived together forever. What matters is that with the little time they had, they lived happily together. 
which is a lovely um, sentiment and i've always said like you know i feel that moffat has sort of overtly sexualized the doctor but boy oh boy he can do the romance when he pulls yeah. back yeah i love this and they both lived happily happily yeah, with all the joy and melancholy that implies. Like, fuck me, Jack, you would have to have a heart of stone not to be moved by that. <laughs> Don't you think? I would agree. I I think so. It, it, it always gets me that ending. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautifully done. It's it's a gen as I was sort of saying a moment ago, it's a genuine in uh, instant of magic uh, of, and... the, of the show kind of go going for the big the biggest most romantic possible image and idea and uh, uh relationship it can go for and it just getting away with it yeah and from where the episode started and that sort of high farce who would have ever predicted that's where it would have ended <laughs> i think that was something you said in your original review you were starting oh god i can't put up with this and by the end you're like oh my god i'm crying yeah <laughs> what <laughs> I mean, I think it takes some confidence. It takes some balls to to slip from that genre to that genre so effortlessly. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic uh, stuff. Oh my god, I enjoyed that even more. It's bumping up the list. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'm just doing. I'm just here to play my part. Just doing. Just doing the doing the good work. Well, uh, you are now. Now we have, you know, sort of waxed the record a little bit about the husbands of Riverstone. We have to give three reasons apiece as to why uh, we would suggest someone goes and watch it immediately, starting with you. Um. Well, assuming you don't like people being happy, that <laughs> this that this story definitely isn't for you. But um, from the from. Uh, uh, if you love Peter Capaldi and if you if you love Alex Kingston, then you have to see it. They they both give two of their best performances in the whole show, and the chemistry they have together and the cat their characterization, especially once the penny drops and they realize who they who they are to each other, it's just gorgeous. And uh, it's 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 possibly the second best River Song story. Um, I would agree uh, with that. And it's yeah. and it's. It's one of the loveliest and most gentle characterizations of a doctor who is quite spiky. If if you if you never really warmed to Capaldi, uh, see this story. Um, uh, if you love elegant plotting, uh, which you know Stephen Moffat sometimes does well, other times he definitely doesn't stick the landing. But if you like elegant plotting, the way it wraps up the the River Song story story is genuinely quite quite astounding uh and quite surprising well you just all you did all your three things in one go did i okay yeah. good we're supposed to go back and forth right fine now i've got to do three all in one go <laughs> i'm gonna say the production design on the spaceship which i thought was particularly stylish and beautiful indeed, indeed. um i am going to say the direction in general which i think is really striking throughout it's it's just full of lots of pretty images um throughout which I, I, i'm one of my favorite images is peter capaldi laughing in the snow i just think that's great yeah so yeah, simple so lovely um and do you know what i'm gonna say that bit of music at the end 
which I think is one of Murray Gold's finest. And oh, a lot no, of people, absolutely you should. A lot of people were saying he was sort of running out of steam at this point and replaying the old cues. And there was a bit of that going on. But boy, oh boy, he was the, you know, the musician on Doctor Who for 10 seasons for a reason. And the end of this episode proves why. Absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all of those points you raised. That's fantastic. Well, look, Jack, um, I'm going to ask you the question now then. Um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of hamster now, I mean, well, where are you and I heading next in 500 episodes time? Um, I think you've asked me <laughs> to do World Enough and Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was such a good recording. So annoying. Half of it still exists. Well, I could put out half of it then. <laughs> to be fair, it will be the smartest half, will it? Uh, I don't know. I think there's a decent chunk of me just going, mm hmm, mm hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. One Which of I the, think could um, be quite annoying. One of the funniest moments of doing Nymon is when I revealed to you, because it was a fact that, you know, I can bust in and interrupt you quite a bit when you're trying to make a point. Okay. And then eventually someone piped up with a comment on YouTube and said, look, will you let Jack say a point, please? You know, he's the clever of the <laughs> two of you. Will you please let him say something? And then we realised we could record this on Zoom and the sound would be a bit better. And Zoom would favour one voice over the other when we both talked at the same time. And it was always you. <laughs> like, fucking Zoom agrees with him as well. <laughs> I don't think that's true. But you know what? This is your this is your podcast, your your house, your rules. No, we will be doing a redo of the World Enough of Time and the Doctor Dances. Although I do think we should do um, another classic series commentary one day because we did two classic series commentaries on. Uh, well, yeah, two on. Nine will be praised. We did Pirate Planet where we did individual episodes on our own. And That's right. we did the apotheosis of our podcasting experience. The the commentary <laughs> of the horns of Nymon itself. Which to date was one of the most enjoyable ones That's I've right. ever done. That's right. That's right. Oh, that was um there was a part of me that was kind of like, oh that that you know, if we were ever to stop somewhere. That's our that's our series finale right there. But we kept going, and we endured, and they endured. But um, we will be back for the nine one be praised at some point indeed. next year, uh, and Jack will be back for uh, what's this podcast called again? Of all the all times, oh, the, the name will be praised. Of all the times to freeze, I said no. I was I was trying to make a joke and say, "What's this? Pro what is this podcast called?" But never mind. <laughs> we lost the moment. Do you want me to try again? Do you want to do that joke again? No, it's it? fine. Don't worry. There's warts and all <laughs> this one. No editing ah. required. Um, but I would like to see. Uh, well, first of all, I say thank you very much for your time, and that was an absolute oh, delight. You. But uh, um. I think we should see out this episode of Handsome of Blunt Penknife with our usual No One Be Praised ending, given that's how we started. Oh, uh, uh, what are we? Oh, uh, wait, are we doing one, two, three, the No One Be Praised, or one, two, three, a hamster with a blunt penknife? Uh, the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Then let's, let's do it. <laughs> a three, a two, a one. The, the nylon be praised. praised. Oh, it's like a bike. You never forget.
<laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'll cut it there. I'll cut it there.